Welcome to the podcast at moresportsnow.com. We're covering both sides of the Hudson. It's Steve Titchener here with Matt Laughlin. And on the line, we have Keith Sargent at New Jersey Advanced Media. Keith, thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. So listen, we'll get to Rutgers football, but let's start with a pressing manner down in Maryland, Keith. Uh, head coach DJ Durkin put on administrative leave with other members of his staff after he's been accused of a running a toxic coaching culture. Uh, this week's after uh, uh, the tragic death of uh, uh, lineman Jordan McNair. And I'll ask you straight up, Keith, uh, do you see Durkin surviving this? I don't. I mean, I, I, if you know, you read it, it wasn't just like one or two. I mean, we've, you know, as you can imagine, we've done stories. I did a story, you know, on the swimming, uh, the Rutgers swimming program, you know, back in the fall. You know, so, you know, you hear these stories from time to time. The difference is, I mean, a player died. And, you know, there's no, you know, laughing matter when you, when, when you put it in that perspective. Um, and you just, you see some of the stories, uh, the, the language that was used by, by, you know, the strength and conditioning coach, you know, a couple other uh, people in that department. Even if, you know, the investigators in that you know, determined that maybe Durkin wasn't the one, you know, dropping the F-bombs and, 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 and uh, you know, really abusing the players. He still oversees the program. I can't see any way that he's going to be able to survive it. Yeah, Maryland brought him in as they, you know, are hoping to elevate themselves in the Big Ten. And I do understand from this standpoint, I'm not defending the behavior per se, but he took over yeah. a program that he was trying to get some guys out of there. We see that all the time, particularly in football, but really in any sport where there's a scholarship limit. You know, you want to run, you kind of do want to run those guys that are part of the problem out of there. But in this day and age, you can't do it the way he is alleged and his strength and conditioning guy who's just off the charts crazy, apparently. You can't do it that way. And what I'm amazed more than anything else is why guys don't get the message. I'm all for being tough. You, you talked about the, the Rutgers swimming coach situation. And, you know, you're trying to beat the other team. You're trying to get the well, best it. performance out of your players. So you're going to be demanding. You're going to test their limits. You're going to push them constantly. And if they are performing unacceptably, you're going to let them know that. But, boy, oh, boy, they, they, there's a new breed of coaches out there who know how to get the best out of their players with without sure. resorting to the old-time tactics. And yet, for a relatively young guy, apparently – he fell. He fell victim to the old time tactics, and and tragically, as we've mentioned, a player died. And two, it's a great point. Matt. It's a great point. And two things about that. One, I always uh, said that was, might have been the biggest reason why Mike Rice got himself in trouble because of you know the pressure that uh, that he had try to you know ma you know make even uh, you know at the time it was the Big East and the American Athletic Conference, but he knew they were going to the Big Big Ten. Um, There's no question. You know, DJ Durkin probably had that same pressure on him to try to move up in the uh, Big Ten East Division, which is no easy task. How you do that by, by trying to get players, getting the most out of players, as you said. Uh, the other thing is, you know, as far as running off guys, I mean, you know, Chris Ash, you know, chose not to do that when he first arrived. I mean, he, he kept most of the uh, Kyle Flood players, with the exception of a few who were like bad culture kids. But, you know, he, he chose not to, to, you know, quote, unquote, run guys off. But, you know, that, that, that's certainly, you know, an epidemic, not just at Maryland, but, uh, you know, a lot of programs are guilty of that. And, you know, comparing him to Mike Rice, of course, that situation, which is understandable. But the tragedy here, Keith, is that there's sure. a, there's a there's the death of a football player in, in this situation. There's no doubt. And that, that's why it's way worse. I mean, like I said at the top, I mean, when, when you know, you, you see that, it's just so inexcusable. Yeah, it truly is. Well, let's uh, switch to uh, Rutgers uh, football. And, and Keith, we all agree, 
you know, Rutgers offense in the last couple of seasons has just been really inept. And, and so, you know, I'll just ask you straight up, you've seen, you know, new offensive coordinator, John McNulty, you've seen him uh, run practice. Um, you know, what will make the offensive productive? What do you see from him that will, will change things? I think they're going to be a lot more multiple. Um, and I, you know, I remember, like you said, I mean, I've been covering record for a long time. I remember his offenses back in the mid two thousands, the difference Matt is going to be, you know, they don't have the same personnel. They don't have a Ray Rice. They don't have a Kenny Britt, Tyquan Underwood, even a Mike Keel, who was a seasoned quarterback at the time. They don't have that yet. Uh, that being said, I mean, I did. I, I asked uh, John McNulty this the other day. If you remember when Chris Ash first arrived, he tried to implement a power thread, the same type of offense that a lot of schools across the country are doing it. I don't know if they had the personnel for it. Um, two, uh, flash forward three years, I still don't know if they had the personnel to be a spread-type team. You know, the, the quarterback, you know, Art Tukowski, who we still believe is going to win the job, not necessarily a, a spread-type quarterback. He's more of a pro-style so I think, you know, the personnel is going to fit a little bit better. But, you know, again, I think you had to be a little patient because I don't know if they had the, uh, you know, the troops to win with yet, quite yet. Keith, you're fresh off the practice uh, field today. Uh, we are less than a month away from the start of the season. Rutgers opens up against what should be a, a cupcake, but I know Chris Ash is, <laughs> doesn't want to hear that. But they open up against Texas State. So what happened at today's practice? What has camp been like so far? Uh, where have you seen some improvements? Where are more? Where is more improvement needed? I would say a couple things. I mean, I would say, you know, I think the depth along the offensive line, and I know uh, Chris Ash has talked about it a little bit. I think this is sheer numbers. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, they, they do have to replace two starters. But that being said, I think Tariq Cole, left tackle, you know, he's going to be a three-year starter. I think he's so much better than, 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 he, than he was when he first arrived. He's going to make a big difference. And I think, you know, maybe the inside guys, the two guards are going to, are, are going to be a lot better. I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. As you know, if you get the offensive line going, you know, it, it helps the uh, run game. I think they have some depth in the uh, run game. Again, I don't know if they have a Ray Rice uh, just yet, but, you know, uh, Raheem Blackshear, you know, going to be a playmaker. Um, you know, keep an eye on a freshman named Isaiah uh, Pacheco. Going to be very, very good. I don't know if they want to throw him into the fire quite yet, but he's going to play. I mean, Chris Ash said it on Sunday. He's going to have a role. You're going to see him as a true freshman play. So, you know, I think the offensive line, you know, maybe the run game it might be, even be a little bit better. They improved from, I think, 105, you know, ranked in the country uh, when, when he first arrived in 2016. I think they got up to about 80, 85. A year ago, if they make it a similar jump, you know, you can see a you know, middle of the country you know, run game. And I think that would really help the offense a lot. So, Keith, I took a look at your position group rankings and I totally agree. Dead last <laughs> would be wide receiver. I mean, since Leonte Carew, I mean, who have we had? I mean, beyond Bo Melton, maybe Hunter Hayak. What, what's out there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, having covered this program for a long time. You know, you, you just remember, you know, some of the guys that they would produce on a year and year uh, basis. I just, you know, there was one year where they had Tim Brown, who was a, you know, a speedster and, and Taekwon Underwood, who, you know, had a pretty good NFL career. Kenny Britt, who was a superstar. Um, you know, and then they would, uh, you know, follow with, uh, Muhammad Sanu and Leonte Carew. You know, it, just, it was amazing how year in, year out, they would just re, uh, recruit and produce these, you know, just amazing wide receivers. It's been a while. Um, you know, and Chris has, has talked about, you know, you like the culture in the, in the locker room. You know, Bo Melton, you know, a guy who kind of struggled a little bit. You know, you know, I think he faced a learning curve a year ago. 
Uh, he's improved. We've seen it in practice. He's made you know a couple of big plays, but you know Hunter Hayek is going to be a guy who I think is going to be a safety valve type guy, maybe a Wes Walker, you know Edelman type right. guy, you know where you know quarterback best friend. Um, but you know they're still very much unproven, very green. You know for as much as Chris Ash has uh, talked about, you know how improved they are as a unit. Yeah, they haven't done it yet. Well, now the silver lining may be the tight ends. You got Jerome Washington, maybe the best in the Big Ten this year, right? Yeah, I mean, Noah Fant from Iowa, I think, you know, would would have a good case. He could be a preseason Mm -hmm. All-American. But, you know, in this new breed of of tight ends that we've seen in the last couple of years, I mean, you know, uh, Washington certainly fits that mold. And then keep an eye on Travis Volkolek. You know, he he played a little bit as a freshman, uh, much improved. We've seen enough of practice to, to know that, yeah, he has a pretty good rapport with with Art Stakowski. Um, I I would not be surprised if one of those two guys are are the, the team leader in, in, in catches this year. I think um, mm-hmm. there's going to be a tight end friendly offense for sure. Sitkowski's got an awesome arm. Uh, he wowed everyone uh, during camp. Everyone is thrilled that he's in the fold. Uh, I say everyone, everyone involved in Rutgers football. Still, he's a true freshman. Uh, what makes you think he will start? Uh, as right now, Ash has not said anything, and Rashino, I guess, is the nominal starter at that position. Given the lack of talent at the wideout spot and the fact that the kid's a true freshman, why should Sitkowski start over a veteran who they might be better using simply to kind of get underway before they hand the reins over. I think a couple of reasons why I think one, I think at some point you need to develop a quarterback. I mean, you know, I, you know, I know it's year three. Um, Rutgers hasn't really developed a quarterback since maybe Gary Nova. And, um, you know, before that Mike Peel, you know, Tom Savage was a guy who, who they tried to develop and just, you know, there are a lot of reasons why it didn't work. They tried to change the offense and, you know, he ended up transferring, but, at some point, you kind of just need to let a, a quarterback, you know, it's so important, such an important position on the field. It, you know, impacts everything. At some point, you need to develop one. And, and also, too, I think he's the best quarterback. I mean, I, we, we've lost enough practice. John McNulty had, you know, had a quote where he said, sometimes you just see, a, you know, a guy throw, throw a rock across the lake, and you, you, you say, that's our guy. Uh, we, uh, he, you know, he passes the eye test. I think, you know, he might just be the uh, best quarterback on the roster. You're right, Gio Rochino. You know what you have in him. You know, he's a guy who's played 12 games, you know, started, you know, start, started 12 games at quarterback. You know what you have in him. And I guess the good thing is if Stokowski does struggle, you know, you have four games into the year maybe where, where it's just not working, you can always go back to Gio because he's a guy who's been a you know, loyal soldier and, you know, you're not going to embarrass yourselves by going back to Gio. And Keith, I noticed you haven't mentioned Jonathan Lewis. I mean, he's still really intriguing. I mean, the guy is a giant. He's, when I see a, when I, I look at him and I say, that's a football player, but uh, something's there. It's not developing, or what's going on there with, with Lewis? Yeah, there's a few things. You have to keep in mind, Sikowski, if you remember, came in this spring and he had the benefit of, of learning that the offense from, 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 you know, ground zero, you know, mm-hmm. along with the other quarterbacks. So, you know, he had that advantage. Uh, Lewis came in. You know, late in the summer a year ago, didn't have spring football, so he got thrown into the fire. And then the offense has changed from, from the way he was recruited. He was actually recruited. He committed to Drew Maringer, who was a total spread guy. Jerry Kill, um, you know, changed it up a little bit, more of a hybrid, you know, pa- you know pro style and, and, and spread. Um, and now, you know, again, a completely different playbook. Um, and, and again, I, I think he came from a, a, you know, a system at St. Peter's Prep where, 
you know, he was compared to Cardell Jones, you know, a guy who, you know, would, 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 you know, really beat you with his legs more than his arm. Yeah. I think mechanically, you know, he, he struggled a little bit. So, you know, all those things are a factor. Again, you have to also remember he's only a sophomore and sometimes it takes quarterbacks, you know, a long time to, to develop. And now considering all the problems with the offense, you think Rutgers fans, I mean, if they roll Gio Rochino out there for game one, I mean, I, it would be an issue not right. Um, yeah, and I again, I, I want with you know, I want to be respectful to Gio. You know, he's been a guy who they've won games with. I mean, they, no they won three Big Ten games a year mm-hmm. ago and surprised a lot of people. Thanks mm-hmm. to Gio, if it wasn't for him, you know, they they wouldn't have done that. They they were able to manage the game and and were able to to you know play defensive football. And you know, he right. was he was the guy. Even though his numbers weren't weren't pretty, they won because of him. He played he plays winning football, which which is something to be said about. That being said, you also, yeah, as John McNulty said, in this day of age, you need to score 30 points in a, in, in a football game to, have, uh, to give yourself a chance. There's going to be games points. where you win, like the Purdue game, like maybe the Maryland and, uh, and Illinois wins last couple of years where you win it with, with uh, you know, that old school you know, defensive football. But your odds, odds increase markedly when you score 30 mm-hmm. points a game. I mean, we all know that. We'll get back to Rutgers in just a, a bit, Keith. I want to ask you, though, about another Big Ten coach, and that's Urban Meyer. We discussed D.J. Durkin right off the bat. What do you make of the situation at Ohio State? Yeah, still an unknown. I actually voted in the AP Top 25 today, and I, I kept Ohio State pretty much where I would have kept him. I think I might have either put him at three or four. I ended up keeping him at, at, at four um, because there's just an unknown. Um, I can't you know, predict whether or not. You know, I do think that it, you know putting him on administrative leave gives Ohio State um, boosters and administrators and anyone who's making a decision a little bit of time to breathe and, and let it all soak in and uh, you know get the uh, the 24-hour news cycle out of the way. So I think you know if I if I was going to guess, I would think that uh, Urban Meyer will be on the sideline. Um, again, it's, it's kind of like the Maryland situation. No laughing matter. You know, it goes beyond football when you talk about domestic assault and, uh, you know, what Urban Meyer might have known. Um, you know, it's just, you know, an unfortunate situation for sure. It is. And I, I, here's the only thing I take exception with to the whole to the whole story. First off, the story has changed a little bit since it first reported who yeah. was arrested, who wasn't arrested, et cetera, et cetera. But when a sure. guy like Urban Meyer tries to hide behind I passed it up the chain. He is at the top of the chain. Oh, Joe yeah. Paterno was at the top of the chain. Rick Pitino was at no, the yeah. top of the chain. And that's what disgusts me. Look, I believe in second chances. And if, in fact, after the incident in Florida, if he sat down with this guy who's very near and dear to him because he's the grandson of Earl Bruce, who was a mentor to Urban Meyer sure. and said, look, this stuff has to stop. And, and the guy got counseling and the wife got counseling. And look, as much as I've never raised, never mind hit, I haven't raised my hand in anger at a woman in my life, but I understand second chances. But for him to hide behind the, I passed it along, cut me a break. It begins and ends yeah. at Ohio State with the football coach, and that's Urban Meyer. So if he wanted him gone, it would have been really easy for him to fire him. Don't hide behind the, I told my superiors. Cut me a break. 100%. And then you, uh, you hit the nail on the head, Matt, because when you think about like these football coaches, you know, you know, especially the more the, the more successful they are, you know, they they know everything. They know where everybody is buried, they, so to speak. They know, you know, if there is a, you know an incident that happens at one o'clock in the morning, they certainly know about it. If they don't, then they should. You know, so I mean, for, you're you're right. And and they you know 
they also do influence the decisions for him to say, well, you know, I passed up the chain. Well, you're the one who ultimately you know, has to you know, live by the, the uh, decision because you're the uh, public face of the program. So, no, I, I think you, you have a lot of uh, good points with that. We're talking to Keith Sargent at New Jersey Advance Media. And, and Keith, uh, let's get back to Rutgers football. And then just tell me, what do you feel really good about and what is your biggest concern heading into the season? Yeah, um, I think uh, the defense is going to be uh, very good. They, they made a lot of strides a year ago. Um, you know, we, we, we did something uh, the other day on whether this could be, you know, a, you know, an upper echelon uh, defense. They played winning football, you know, in probably six or seven of their games last year. Uh, obviously, they only won four of those games. But, they, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, just the amount of depth at linebacker, the amount of depth that, you know, in, in the defensive backfield, you know, they have you know, NFL caliber guys again. Uh, I think the defense is going to be really good. Defensive line is obviously a concern, but, you know, with that being said, they do have guys who have played in, in games. I mean, the depth might be an issue, but Kevin Wilkins has played in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty good player. So is John, John Badeke. Yeah, they have guys who have played in games. Um, you know, my biggest concern, again, I don't know. I still haven't uh, seen for sure a guy that you're going to hang your hat on offensively. As a playmaker, mm-hmm. you know I like Raheem Blackshear. Still hasn't done it. Got to keep him healthy. Um, Bo Mellon, same thing. Yeah, I, I, you know hasn't done it yet. I think he's going to be better. But you know, I, I still I'm a little worried about you know who's going to step up and be a playmaker. I look at the end of the schedule. Forget about it. Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, that's prior or right after the bye week. Well, they're. Yeah, they're going to uh, stop the season. I mean, I, Rutgers had made an appeal to the NCAA to stop the season a- after Halloween. So yeah, I, exactly. I to get to November. So, so not to count. for right. any bowl hopes, it happened. It happens in those in, in that first part of the season. Put Ohio State aside. Can they get to the proper number with Texas State, Kansas, Buffalo, Indiana, Illinois, Maryland before Northwestern? Ohio State is game number two of the season. With that schedule, is there enough here? Your concerns uh, put into the equation for them to possibly get to that bowl game, which has been elusive the last few years? Well, they better because, you know, the November, like you said, is going to be really tough. They're going to be prohibitive, you know, double-digit uh, underdogs in all those games. Um, I do think when you talk about winnable, um, you know, I think the seven of the first eight games are winnable, uh, Ohio State being the exception. Um, I think um, – you know, the non-conference schedule, you know, very important to, 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 to sweep those three games. But that being said, I, I, I try to caution Rutgers fans uh, uh, on this all the time. If you're a Kansas football player or a Kansas fan, you know, you're circling that game as well because Rutgers has to go out to Kansas and you know, you're looking at Rutgers as a game that you know, you're going to win. Rutgers fans almost have that game circled as, oh, yeah, we're going to win that game. You know, not so fast. So, that you know, there's a couple of games that are swing games, certainly – you know, in order for Rutgers to, to go to a bowl game, you know, at this stage in their program, you know, with the Big Ten East, you know, like you mentioned, Penn State, Michigan State, and uh, Ohio State and Michigan, you know, those are four games that you're going to lose every year. But you need to win your non-conference games, mm-hmm. and you need to win at least two of your three crossover games. This is a year where um, that's possible. You know, the, all three of those non-conference games are winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your three crossover games are Wisconsin, forget about it. Northwestern, eh, Northwestern's going to be very good. You know, they're they're probably going to have an advantage you know, up front, but it's homecoming. It's at home. You know, you know, so you give them a chance. And then Illinois, you know, they beat Illinois a year ago. 
I think that's a game where you know, is almost a must win at this point. So, you know, in order to get to, the, to that magic number, they better, you know, they better get to it before Halloween. True, but given the difficulties late in the season, one exciting thing about being in the Big Ten, Keith, is like my brother went to Michigan. I got family in <laughs> Michigan. They all went to Michigan. So it's a lot of fun. This year we've got Penn State and Michigan at our house, and I'm just really excited about that. How about yourself? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, having covered this for the last uh, you know, five years and you know, you know, covering the Big Ten, I mean, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, I, I still, uh, you know, I get goosebumps when I walk into these uh, cathedrals of, of football stadiums. I mean, right. The they could be playing it. Cincinnati. You know, I mean, this it, it, it is no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it no is doubt. it is a difficult hurdle. And the end of the season, you see it every year. We're going to see it every year. We're going to see Michigan. We're going to see Ohio State. Uh, we're going to see Michigan State. Signed up for. Yeah, yeah, that's what we signed up and, for. It's, it's the truth. And, and you, know, you know, yeah. Look, I mean, there's, there, yeah. Back at Big Ten Media Day, people talked about, oh, can you uh, maybe change the alignment because you know certainly the Big Ten East is is way better, mm-hmm. you know, than yeah. than the Big Ten West. Well, it is what it is. You're gonna, you know, every year you know who you're gonna play. You know, it, it, just play play the teams just that are gotta in front get of better and, and mm-hmm. get better. Yeah. Exactly. It gives it gives you a carrot to chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get better. They'll need to improve their facilities. I know they're trying that and doing that under uh, uh, Pat Hobbs, and it'll need to continue because there's a big gap between what they spend and their big brother spend, and it may never get there. I've told Steve we've had these conversations in various yeah. formats before. Look, Rutgers is never going to be Ohio State, is never going to be Michigan, but then again, Illinois is never going to be that either, or Indiana. You are who you are in the hierarchy of college football. You can shoot to improve as Northwestern has over the years and have some very good years. But in the end, it's still the Big Ten dominated by the big guys. And it's just a battle for who falls into that second group and a better bowl bid. And, and, you know, you never want to settle for second best, but that's the reality of Big Ten football for sure. So. Uh, that's well, what, and, and it's not not just now. It's the, uh, traditionally, you know, seventy five percent of the championships have been won by either Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and you know, I did a story back in February where you look at like the amount of money of these uh, programs are spending, and you know, the top seven uh, programs are the most successful, you know, tradition rich programs in the Big Ten. It's not an accident. You know, the, the the money that Rutgers is spending, you know, pales in comparison to to what everyone else is spending. That has an impact. I mean, you know, it it, it has an impact to so many things uh, recruiting and facilities and all the other things that you know <laughs> you hit the nail on the head that you know at this point in their you know in their uh, infancy i mean they you know they've only been in the big 10 for five years you know it, it's going to be a you know a, a big hurdle to climb over to, to you know to get to that you know, upper echelon you know big 10 east program well keith it's a thrill to have you on i hope you can join us later on in the season for sure on the site anytime anytime i love what you guys are doing anytime keith thanks very much be well Thanks so much. All right. Take care, guys. Right now. Yep. And thanks again to Keith Sargent. Good to have him on the show, right, man? Terrific. Uh, knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. He is an insider. His insider gets it. Rutgers covering it for NJ Advanced Media. Oh. But he covered it b- Rutgers before then. So he yeah. he knows his stuff. Oh, I'll talk Rutgers with him all day. You know that. So, uh, well, we got some good stuff coming up, though. We got uh, Eric LeGrand's going to be on with us. We're going to do, uh, we had him on a few times last year. We're going to do a regular show with him on the podcast. Yeah, RU Review mm-hmm. is the program. It started last year, and Eric was kind enough through his friendship with our partner, John McAlevey mm-hmm. to join us a few times. We reached out to him. He'll join us more than just a handful of times this year. So really excited about it. And, you know, for me, 
Rutgers, and I'm not a Rutgers guy. I didn't graduate from the school. I'm a Seton Hall guy, so there's a rivalry mm-hmm. there, even though Seton Hall doesn't play football. But this is an interesting year. I don't know that they have to make a bowl game. I know Rutgers fans are desperate. It wasn't that long ago that they made their last bowl game. There was a time there that they were mm-hmm. regular bowl participants, not yeah. in anything major, but they always had a game after the season to look forward to, and it's dropped off precipitously. But Ash showed some signs last year of bouncing back. The three offensive coordinators now in three years is a concern, but you mm-hmm. understand why he went away from Merringer and to kill, and then Jerry just decides to leave. So let's see what happens. I think the foundation is better. He's getting more players. It's just really hard to build a program that's fallen off when you're in the Big Ten. So I think there will be more success ahead. I think he's doing the right things. He's cleaned up the program. There mm-hmm. are some issues that we, we didn't talk to Keith about, that credit card issue that's floating no, around some not. of the players. But yeah. honestly – there were some players under Kyle Flood who were committing serious mm-hmm. crimes like robbery and oh, yeah. you know breaking and entering. So uh, we'll see what comes out of the mm-hmm. credit card thing. My point is he's basically cleaned up the program. He's got them on the right track. Sitkowski is a huge get. So we'll see where this year lies. The schedule is better. Pat yeah. Hobbs has done a good job of making the schedule one that enables you with that talent mm-hmm. to win some games. Yeah. Now it's up to them to, to do the thing. Hey, listen, for me as a, as a graduate, as a season ticket holder, as a huge fan, I, I'm not insisting that a bowl has to happen this year at all. I mean, I just, I just want to see improvement. I want to see a right. good, I want to see a football team get better. And I'll tell you what, here's the problem. I mean, you lose to Kansas, you lose to Buffalo, you have, you know, you know, you have those hiccups, man. That is a problem. They've got to beat these teams that they're yeah. supposed to beat. As Keith said, and, though, yeah. the other teams are circling it too. For instance, Rutgers is Kansas's homecoming opponent, I do believe. Uh, right, right. And so, uh, you know, that's they, a game they, they circled win. it. Absolutely. Right? They circled and said, okay, mm-hmm. homecoming, well, we certainly don't want to have to go up against the big boys in our conference. So let's see. Oh, right, let's put Rutgers there. No you doubt. know, they struggle yeah. in the Big Ten. Uh, that's a winnable game for us. So yeah. those bottom we'll feeders see. or those easy teams on Rutgers' schedule, mm-hmm. they're saying, hey, Rutgers. Rutgers is one of the easy teams on our schedule, so they better come to play. And we'll see. And this much is clear. We will be covering Rutgers football here on moresportsnow.com. That'll do it for this week's show. It's Steve. It's Matt. We'll be back next week with plenty more sports talk. Bye-bye.